Hello there, welcome to um, my sermons podcast. Uh, this is going to be a Q&A time after the uh, sermon <clears throat> or the teaching time on the problem of pain or uh, the, the subject of theogony or the problem of evil, the problem of suffering. Um, normally I have a uh, uh, lunch with the professor time and uh, we're able to just informally go over some of the the subjects from the class and have informal discussions. Um, today, I just I, I'm not able to do that. I have something else planned, <clears throat> uh, and but I feel as though this course kind of went right up to the end. Um, I didn't have time to even cover all the material I had prepared. A few things right at the end, I realized, shoot, I meant to put that in, it didn't end up getting in, and uh, so we need a Q and A time more this time around than even other times. Fortunately, um, I left my recorder running, and, uh, and as we were standing around with some of the students after class, um, some of these issues were able to be discussed, and uh, I asked their permission afterwards, and uh, they said it's fine to publish that Q&A time um, as part of this podcast. So um, what you're going to have after I finish talking is kind of these snippets of live conversations, and I cut out, you know... T- conversations that weren't relevant um, because people didn't know they were being recorded. I did ask them after the fact. Um, you know, they cut to talking about picking up the laundry and, and different things like that. So I cut that out and then just left the discussions about um, the moral argument. And so um, it'll be a little bit disjointed and a little bit cut up, but um, I thought I'd leave the live conversations because um, it's just, it's it's always better live. Um, the, the one that I forgot to mention right at the end, I, right towards the end after I prayed, as I was praying, I realized, oh, there's two things I I meant to say. And then after I prayed, I I said, we have a God that suffers with us. And you you could preach a whole sermon on that. My sermon on pain, I talked about that. Um, and so that's really, really key. That's an emotional answer to the problem of pain. Uh, and I think it's really, really a powerful argument, um, so many of the gods uh, that are that are taught, even the god of you know Islam, the god of uh, Buddhism, the god of even the god of the Jews, uh, if you only have the Old Testament, uh, the gods in Hinduism or in ancient Greece, they don't really suffer with us uh, in the same way that Jesus does. Uh, I mean, certainly they're concerned about the human race. Certainly they they try and offer solutions, but we have a god who is Emmanuel, God with us. <clears throat> And it's tremendous how, even throughout the Old Testament, I should, yeah, even for the Jews, I mean, with the Old Testament, it's amazing how God suffers with his people. To such an extent that I'm having discussions with one student on the campus that says, that can't really be what God is like, because God is perfect. He can't suffer. He can't, he can't feel pain for us. Um, and this, for her, is, is, an, is an obstacle to her faith, because she has this conception of God being perfect and I keep saying that's Plato's God that's not the Jewish God um, but that's kind of where where she's at um, we have a God that suffers with us and he engages with our suffering and he he not just intellectually processes it but emotionally processes it in a way that is is scandalous to us I keep thinking of the verse where you know Jesus um, his best one of his good friends Lazarus dies and he's talking with his sisters, Mary and Martha, and he sees the crowd weeping, and he knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knows this is all good. It's all going according to plan. 
intellectually speaking, but he sees the, the suffering and the weeping of the people that loved this good man that had died. And Jesus wept. Um, he engaged with where they were to such a point that when people saw him, they said, wow, look how much he loved this man. He didn't just let a few tears dribble down his eyes. He he wept. Um, he bawled his eyes out. He, he engaged with people. And God, as much as, you know, when when you're in a situation, and I hope that, I really, really hope that nobody is listening to this that's in a real painful situation. I hope nobody's feeling as though, here's some pat answers, here's some logical answers, and this is just going to make it all better. Um, that's not how it works. And I know that when you're suffering, you may feel as though there's an intellectual barrier to say, God, how could you allow this? You know, and be angry at God, and to... Um, and yet, we have a God that suffers with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is a God that weeps with us. And however we work that out theologically, we can just pick up the Bible and see that it's true. He suffers with his people, and he comes to die with, for us. <coughs> uh, Jesus is tempted in every way that we are yet without sin. And he lives a human life. He, we do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with us, it says in Hebrews, but one who who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. And so he's gone through what we've gone through. So that, I think, just... Well, it, again, highlights the... Um, it makes our human suffering holy and useful and important because Jesus went through this as well. And, and the scriptures also say that he learned obedience through what he suffered. And I don't know how we deal with, theologically, with you know God learning obedience through what he suffered. But that's what, you know, Jesus in his incarnation, even he grew and learned through suffering and through the human life. So there's meaning and purpose to our suffering and to our um, our growing through trials in the human life. Um, I just want to keep saying, and it comes up in the discussion, but I am not saying that when you are in suffering somebody who has all the answers and that has all the theology should be able to enter into a situation and say, I know why this happened. We don't know why things happen. Um, we have guesses as to why God might have morally justifiable... Um, we know that God has morally justifiable reasons for allowing suffering, and we have guesses to what some of those reasons may be. But we can never just jump into a situation, even when that seems cut, cut and dry, black and white. We can't jump in and say, this is why this happened. That's what we call judging. And we don't have, we don't have the ability to judge. Uh, we don't have the ability to judge God for what he did, because we don't have all the information. And we don't have the ability to judge, this happened to you because of. I mean, there's tons of other factors that could have come into play. Uh, and most of the time, we just don't know why bad things happen to people. But the other thing I wanted to say before we get to the Q&A, the, the live time, is that um, Christianity is incredibly useful. And um, we want to divide pragmatism from truth because we don't want to choose a doctrine just because it's pragmatically useful. Um, if, if somebody has cancer, for example, it might be useful for them to know that, or it might not be. Um, it might cause all sorts of anxiety, all sorts of stress, all sorts of whatever. Or it might be better for them not to know and just to live their life. 
But whether or not it's useful doesn't affect, doesn't affect whether it's true. So we need to divide usefulness and truth. But when all things are equal, um, it is valid to say this belief is more helpful because it's useful. If, if there's no other way to, to decide whether to believe something, you can decide to believe something because it's useful. And if something is both true and useful, then it gives even more reason to believe in something. So um, the belief in a God who exists, who is good, who is in control, who has morally justifiable reasons for allowing suffering into this world, who, according to eight, uh, to Romans 8, I think it's towards the end, 28 or something, um, he allows all things into our lives. Um, no, he will cause all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. So even when bad things come into our lives, he will use it for good even though he allows suffering in our lives, even though he allows evil, he will cause good to come out of it for his, you know, for, for those whom he has saved, for the Christians. And so, um, yeah, so is this a useful doctrine? I, and it, again, eternity, there is going to be eternal rewards. This life is not all there is. Even if you have, you know, a really bad lot in life, born cri crippled on the streets of Calcutta to the, you know, out outcast class. Um, there's all of eternity that um, will, you know, that, that makes sense of this life. And so that I think, and also there's all of eternity to make it worth it, to, to give, um, well, to, to motivate us to say this person suffering on the streets of Calcutta is an eternal being. He has not extreme worth. Whereas on atheism, I mean, it's basically just, um, it's the same problem as a crippled dog. You don't let a crippled dog suffer. You put it out, out of its misery. Um, and uh, again, it, it just feels like the, the attraction of that, that harsh atheistic worldview is just difficult to, to resist when you really think about it, a world without God. But the ideas of, the Christian ideas of a God that is good, that he is loving, that he has morally justifiable reasons for the things that he causes or that he allows, and that there is all of eternity, there will be justice in eternity, and um, there will be eternity to enjoy the benefits of uh, moral growth and development and character development that were caused through the pain and suffering of this world. All these things, I think, are tremendously helpful. Uh, in, in living a good life, in building a good society. Um, versus, again, atheism. Sorry, I jumped the gun a little bit. But on atheism, I mean, we're, we're just animals. We're very intelligent animals, but there's way too many of us on planet Earth. Um, and when animals suffer, there's no legitimate reason why we should let them suffer. We should put them out of their misery. If they have bad genes, if they're sick, if they're an inferior race... Again, we're, we're back to um, social Darwinism. And I know that atheists would not go there. But why? It's just an arbitrary decision. Uh, and there is, there's a pull. There is a strong pull in our society to go back that direction with euthanasia, with uh, abortion, with, um, with other issues. So uh, I think that um, the Christian worldview is more helpful than the atheistic worldview on this issue. Okay, so um, let's go now to um, some 
candid Q&A with some of my students, and then I might have some closing remarks at the end. I can see this. This guy right now is talking about suffering in the context of the question, does God exist, as yeah. opposed to what's he like? Yeah. And uh, in the first class, I was going to get into uh, apologetic methods, mm -hmm. and he follows the classical method, which is you start with proving that there is a God mm -hmm. and not atheism, mm -hmm. and then you prove that there is uh, an intellectual, like a it's a, it's a conscious being, that's so that's the moral argument. Yeah. And then you move to talking about the Christian religion is the right religion mm -hmm. versus the other religions. And then you talk about um, Jesus being the son of God. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of this whole, mm -hmm. and the book goes that way. And I realized, because I, I did all the, I had it um, by sections. So I did the philosophy section, then I was going to do the history section, then I was going to do the science section. Um, and I'm realizing because this argument, a big part of the argument is look at the previous arguments, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh, maybe I should have left it the way he did, yeah. you know, for next time. But yeah. we are going to get there. He's gonna, he writes a lot about Jesus being the son of God. But first he wants a foundation, mm -hmm. you know, of there is a God, God is personal, mm -hmm. God is moral, yeah. and then this is his son. Oh, I read Lee Strobel's A Case for Christ. Mm. So I, I haven't, my, my DNA, but I haven't been able to convince other mm -hmm. people, other people. Well, the funny thing, from, from the point of view of a person, it, so I get to, you know, bizarrely sit slightly above. Uh, as a person who has not grievously suffered, you know, no dead, injured children, no horrible, life-giving diseases. It's not that I'm not going to, but, you know, I, I do sometimes stand there and go, I'm perfectly aware that people of faith suffer. So it would be a real oh. state of denial to say that therefore, but I should not suffering. If I do suffer, God has done something wrong. You know, it, it's just, Jesus it seems said, to me, a, a blessed are the poor in spirit. Yeah. Blessed are those who mourn. Yeah. I've been just turning that over for a really long time. Yeah. But what the, his definition of mourn is. Well, I think mourn. our definition of blessing is quite yeah. different than what yeah. he had. Yeah. Be yeah. happy if you're poor in spirit. Yeah, it's not happy. It means that you... Uh, well, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, no. Yeah. No, because I have redid it last year, and you took out the word be blessed with be happy because you are born in spirit, meaning you know in your own spirit how much we need the Lord, hmm. how far apart we are, how much we need Him in our lives. So be happy that we know that. Many don't. That was one way we looked at that. that. And that makes sense because of eternity and because worship of God is the ultimate good. It doesn't, it wouldn't make sense if our focus is only, you know, atheistic, so to speak, this worldly, and only focused on, you know, mm -hmm. pleasures and things like yes, that. Yes, or if you only look at the word mourn, uh, as to mean um, you're feeling badly because something bad has happened to you or someone you love. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I'm here. All right, so at this point, I turned off the recorder because um, it got to personal matters, and I thought that the conversation was done. And then um, <clears throat> one of my students pulled out Isaiah 56, no, 57, 1 to 3, and uh, made a really great point, which I didn't catch on, on the recorder, but after that, I said, all right, we need to <laughs> keep recording, so I turned it back on. Um, and uh, so Isaiah 57, 1 says, The righteous man perishes, and no one takes it to heart. 
and devout men are taken away while no one understands. For the righteous man is taken away from evil. He enters into peace. They enter into their beds, each one who walked in his upright way. And then it goes on. But come here, you source. You, okay, so it talks about, but the wicked people will be, will be judged. And so her point was, so we're talking about morally justifiable reasons. Like we don't know why people die. We don't know why even infants, you know, die and, and aren't given a chance to live. And this verse, at least in this case, um, <clears throat> says people died to be protected from the bad things that were going to come. And we need to, first of all, understand this in the original context, that Isaiah is writing about, you know, the Babylonian captivity, that they're going to be encircled, that they're going to be um, attacked, they're going to have to be starved, and bad things are going to happen. And so it was the grace of God to let some people die in peace before that happened. Um, now, we don't have a prophetic word, and this is this is something really important for us to know. Don't go to somebody who has lost a child or lost a loved one and say, I know why. Here is Isaiah 57. <laughs> they died because they were going to grow up to be the next Hitler. And, and God, you know, um, I shouldn't laugh because I've heard of people actually saying this. There's a huge difference between saying this is one potential morally justifiable reason that makes intellectual sense, okay? And there's tons of morally justifiable reasons why God may have allowed suffering into the world. Um, but there's a huge difference between that and saying this is why. And when we say this is why, you better be damn sure that you know why if you're speaking in the place of God, which is, you know, said all throughout the Old Testament, you know, there are huge consequences for pretending to be a prophet or being a prophet and speaking on the behalf of God, but not not being a true prophet. It doesn't come true or it turns out you weren't speaking for God. I mean, in the Old Testament theocracy, the, the punishment for that was death. So be very, very careful. If you feel like you have a word from God, this is why so-and-so died, this is why this such-and-such happened and caused pain in your life, um, I would, I would really caution you not to do that, um, and not again. Just you know, I've, I hope I've said this enough times. There are a number of morally justifiable options, and we, from our limited perspective, can say maybe it was this, maybe it was that, and that that the point of that is not to say here's five options and it's one of these because I've heard that too. People have said when suffering comes into your life, it's either for the glory of God because of sin, or I forget the last one, lack of faith or something. So then you look at somebody that's suffering and you're like, all right, is this for the glory of God? Don't really think so. So there must be suffering or it must be lack of faith. Those are all reasons that suffer, suffering can come into our lives, but there could be other reasons that we don't know of. Um, it could be that this person was taken away uh, from suffering because something bad, they might do something bad or something bad might happen to them. We don't know. It could be because, you know, of God letting evil take its course and he's going to judge that evil after this life. Um, so this is a great passage and, it, and it, it adds another morally justifiable reason to, um, you know, uh, why God might let suffering and evil into the world. Uh, but it also gives a good time and a place to say, please do not go to somebody that's suffering and say, I know why you're suffering. I think the thing you need to say when somebody's suffering is, I have no idea why you're suffering, but I want to be here to care for you and remember that God loves you and that God cares for you. And while we're on the topic of that, I had prepared some stuff um, on 
the emotional problem of pain and uh, didn't have time to cover everything. Um, I do cover it in the sermon Pain and on, on Running and Suffering Well, which I would encourage you to go listen to. Um, but it's a, one great thing to do. I mean, when you're sitting with somebody that's really suffering, A, say, I don't know why this is suffering. And just saying, I don't know, backing off from your 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 need to know everything, um, that's good. Another thing is, um, it's okay if you're angry at God. And sometimes people that are really suffering, they say things that cause all sorts of internal turmoil. Even them suffering causes internal turmoil. And then they say, I don't know if I believe in God. How can God do this? And, and, and this causes, you know, angst within us. And I would just encourage you, one of the ways you can love somebody is to let them do that to you and wrestle through it with them. Um, and that might be where you, after sitting there with somebody, you go home and you got doubts about God. How can God let suffering happen? And then you can go intellectual, problem of pain, read this chapter, read, listen to this material. Um, they're probably not there because they're at the emotional problem, but you are wrestling with the intellectual problem. Um, but let people, give people the freedom and the space to be angry at God, just like Job was. Go read the book of Job. Remember that Job was blessed and approved for being faithful to God. So what Job said, you know, the whole process of, God, I wish I had never been born. God, why didn't you just let me die right away? Why can't I be dead right now? God, I want to die. God, I can't wait till I'm covered with worms and the worms are eating me. God, I just, I hate life. You know, all this stuff that Job was processing verbally, that's all fine. God blesses all that. And, you know, go through some of the Psalms and, uh, you know, all the anger and anguish and even the hatred at times towards people that have done injustice and done wrong to people. All that stuff, God has room. God can take it. Um, we can't take it. I can't take it. There's a limit to how much of that stuff I can take, you know, when somebody's really, you know, angry at God and angry at Christians and angry at me and angry at the world. I mean, it's like, whoa, just, okay, like, I, we need to be there for people, though. And just suffer through the storm uh, that they're they're sending our way without feeling like we have to have answers. But I encourage people: don't be the person that's like, "Oh, you got to have faith." You know what you said was wrong. You got to have faith. You know, and and try and defend God and try and be like, "No, God's got a reason for this. God's got a reason." You know, maybe He does, maybe He doesn't, um, or, or maybe He has a reason that that wouldn't be a pro- wouldn't seem like it makes sense at the moment. Um, but just let people be angry. Let people lose their faith. Let people hate God. Um, because that's a legitimate part of faith, is, is going through those seasons. And also because if you try and stop them, they will punch you in the nose, and you deserve it. Um, <clears throat> just let people process their emotions the way that they need to. And um, when they come with intellectual problems eventually down the road or, or maybe right in the moment you know you can have some intellectual things ready um, but don't try and stop their process as they try and emotionally process you know the great pain that they're going through and uh, there's a great quote that my wife put online because we're kind of grieving too I mean I don't want to be melodramatic but <clears throat> we experience the death of a dream and, and that's a big deal um, but she had quoted somebody that I think they had lost a child and um, 
and it was a very difficult, obviously, situation for her. And she said, look, if, if your life goes from good to bad, if, if you lose somebody, if you lose something that was precious to you, that's sad. So let yourself be sad. And um, that was so liberating when, when, I, when I read that on my wife's Facebook. It's like, yeah, be sad. It's okay to be sad. Um, whoever wrote the, the, um, the, the hymn, it is there by faith, I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. No. <laughs> David was not happy all the day uh, when he was writing all the Psalms. And Job was not happy all the day. So we need to, I mean, God's got room. The Bible has room for all the spectrum of human emotion. God can take it. I can't take it necessarily. Often Christians can take it, but we need to do our best um, to, to, to let people do their business with God. Um, so I hope that that, yeah. So I think we're, we have more comments coming after this. Really, 99% of the population of the Earth, there would still be something vaulting like 80 million people on the planet. I mean, it's like crazy, or 8 million people or something. We are a, a ridiculously huge number of people. From the sheer survival of the fittest point of view, we should be mowing each other down left, right, and center. We should be, because... She was three, so four. So, I, I have always, since 21 years now, asked why... why God had to take the lives of the two people in the car that hit us. Why they both had to die. Mm -hmm. Two young women. Mm -hmm. And I come to the conclusion that I will never know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. I just have to accept it. But I do think that uh, in my fantasy life, I think, because I've never been able to find out who they were, that uh, they were Christian. We hope so. I want to know that one of them sang in a church choir. Okay. Well, that's good. So were good. you a Christian You'll get when to you met them? them? And ask no. them. Okay, then. Yeah. Or when you know when you had the wreck? No, you. So no, but God hit me on the head and said, "Talk right. to me in the car." That's right. So, but mm -hmm. you know, but what am I worth compared to, to other people? Yeah. Why was I saved and they weren't? Well, we we have such a need to create a reason. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes, every once in a while, it's like, oh, I think I know why, and it brings so much peace. Mm -hmm. But so often, it's like. Maybe it's that, and at least it gives some peace. Mm -hmm. But you know, ultimately, we can't know. No, I, I know I can't know. Yeah. Well, with the whole Holocaust theory, I've always just sort of landed on because he had to create Israel. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. And that this is pretty much the only way that it was going to happen. I mean, you know, that this was the way in which the global community, briefly, would actually move heaven and earth to Those create are God's Israel. people, and they didn't believe in His Son. So are they in heaven? Oh, all those people? All the Jewish Fortunately, people. God is just. And mm -hmm. <laughs> merciful. I don't have to worry about that. No, me neither. I don't have to worry about that. I can just yeah. say, God, you are good God. And merciful. Yes. And merciful. Full yes. of mercy. And they are his people. Yeah. The apple of the bud. Yeah. I don't know, but I can tell I you one thing he told me one day. He said, Laura, there's going to be lots of surprises in heaven. And you're going to be surprised when you get to heaven. Mm -hmm. Good. Because there's so many surprises in heaven. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, of course there's going to be colors we haven't seen, words we can't even say because they're too beautiful here. But I believe that I'm going to get to heaven and go, look at all these people that made it, you know? Like all the people that we ministered to in Jackson that, like, I just thought, oh, my gosh, if I could just choke this person 
<laughs> right now for what they're saying. But I have to believe, like, even the people that we minister to that died, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I have to believe yeah. somewhere there's going to be those people, yeah. you know? And or some of them. There's, I don't know. There's hope too, like in Jesus is talking about, like the poor man Lazarus and and the rich yeah. man, you know, and and the rich man goes to Hades and the poor man goes to Abraham's bosom, you know, apparently to heaven or however you interpret that. He didn't. Jesus didn't say anything about his faith. He just said he's he's suffered enough in this life, and now he has. And now he has his reward, you know. And so when you look at all the suffering around the world, you think, God, how can you let this happen? Mm-hmm. Well. That, that passage almost gives us hope that for some of these people that have known nothing but suffering, you know, and are living like animals on the streets, mm-hmm. some of them maybe will end up in heaven just because God's like, you've had enough. However, it's a hair-curling passage for us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it I is, because this guy, I mean, I've heard it unpacked, and this guy was probably a man who was Jewish. And knew God, and, and and was aware of yeah. the prophets of Abraham, and et cetera, et cetera. He he would have known God, mm-hmm. but he didn't know God. And he wasn't acting. He wasn't behaving. Which God? No, the, the guy uh, who went to hell. Oh, the, the, the rich man. Yes, the, the, the nameless mm-hmm. rich man. Well, you know, God still stops to um, teach people stuff, teach people things. Like in the Book of Job. I always like I did a I did a Bible study on it one time, like the whole book, and like one of the things that really kind of like kicked me in the pants was at the end of at the on the very last chapter, Job says something that just kind of wrecked my whole way of thinking. Because all this time, you know, Job's this great guy, and and God's letting all these things happen to him. But Job says, "Lord, forgive me, because I thought I knew you." Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think that somehow. Like, Job had this self-righteousness in his heart, and God never called it out. Mm. He never called it out. You mm. know, he never said, well, Job has self-righteousness in his heart. He said, hey, have you noticed my servant Job, who is, he's like, he's awesome. You know, he's so great. He has a pure heart. Like, he was, God was saying all these great things about him, but he really taught Job something. Mm. And so, anyway, I think that's why God sends us to other places. You know, I know for me, it's always a revelation of, oh, snap, you know, mm-hmm. I have more to learn about God, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not there yet, you mm-hmm. know, I'm a missionary, but I'm still messed up, mm-hmm. and I still have Jesus. Mm-hmm. And isn't it amazing sometimes, when you get new information, how... You can be so self-righteous, like not even just between God and us, but like you can be in a human situation and you're like, you're so right. Like you're so ready to like come and tell somebody that they're wrong. And you just get one key of information and you're like, oh, well, hold on a second. I'm in the wrong here. <laughs> like I didn't realize, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever the situation is. And I just wonder like all these people that are so like, you know, these atheists and they have all these reasons and like, God, you couldn't be just. And like, why did you do this? And why did you do that? Like, when they get that piece of information, you know, or just see things from God's perspective, like, how will that change things for them? I mean, by and faith, we have to believe that, yeah. right? You know, that that is... Then they own it, you know? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like those questions that you, you're, that, you know, or the assignments. It's like, practice questions I've always thought, oh, why? But now, now, like, doing the research and reading up on it, and now it's like I own it. 
you know. <coughs> anyway. I remember when I was camping once. Were you there? I don't remember. Brenda. And we're, we, we're, we go to bed, and in the next campsite over there, have a final party that goes on and on and on and on. And we've got children mm -hmm. with us. So this is really bothering me because, you know, making kids sleep when you're camping is really important. Oh, I was so upset with them, et cetera, et cetera. And finally, when it got late enough and, you know, 11 o'clock or past 11, maybe even 12, the, finally the, the state troopers came because I guess the front got enough complaints and they don't confront, they let the police confront. And the state troopers came and, and finally, you know, and I listened and he sort of told them all to shut up and to calm down and everything, and they did and everything. And then... Off goes the state trooper, they all trundle into bed and everything like this, and they're in a camper. And suddenly, vroom, on comes a generator. And if that generator does not go all night long, I was fit to be tied. I was just, I was just like ready to roll the walls. I was so upset. I was so offended by these people. These people really Because it went from bad to worse. Right. Finally, I go and I call the number, the 1 800 number. Oh, ma'am, they said. That person is on oxygen and they need permanent oxygen and they need to have the generator going on. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't happy about it, but it's like what you said. Mm -hmm. A new piece of information, you know, one new piece of information, it's like, oh, oh, you know, it, it, all I needed was that one piece of information, but I allowed myself to be hugely offended for mm -hmm. a very long time. Actually, I continued to be offended afterwards. I was like, why are these people in the camp going to murdered and they should be in it? It was it was so humbling and humiliating to to be in that position of I thought I knew it all I knew exactly who these people were I was right and they were wrong <gasps> oh I was so offended with them oh and goodness. you know these why shouldn't somebody on oxygen go camping mm -hmm. why why should, why should they not you know it, that makes sense in the morning it makes sense in the morning <laughs> <laughs> at three in the morning I would be with you right there. Oh. You're just thinking about the next day and the day after and the day after with these cranky kids. Kids are going to be cranky and the whole thing. Oh, man. But uh, that's, I have to keep that in mind when that, that idea of I don't have all the information. I'm offended, you know. My story was uh, my dad is a mechanic and we kind of had mechanic cars. Like they were. The right kind of cars. Yeah, yeah like the ones he could buy cheap and fix up and. And uh, this one day I got into the car and took off, actually in the truck, uh, to go give a friend a ride to somewhere. And I drove, we were talking along in the car, and as we're driving, got to this, this on the highway there was a, a T intersection, major intersection. And I hit the brakes and the brakes didn't work. I was driving highway speed. And, um, you know, I kind of freaked out. And, but there was nobody coming, and it was a gradual, like, uh, there was an on-ramp thing, and... and there was nobody coming, and so I, I got on, and I was getting kind of frustrated at my dad at this point, you know, like I was driving an unsafe vehicle with no brakes, like it's highly illegal, all this sort of stuff. And then I dropped them off, and I did the wrong thing. I turned around and, and came back because I didn't want to be stuck somewhere. And anyways, but I, I, I knew now the brakes weren't working, so I planned, you know, hills and, and how to slow myself down and stuff. And then... As I was getting home, I noticed the heat gauge was going up and up and up and up. I thought, the, the radiator's broken too, like what's going on? And uh, came in, I had it all planned out to come in a back way and kind of go up a hill, but I misjudged my speed and ended up kind of slowly bumping into a telephone pole and that didn't do any damage, but just turn off the car, you know, and it's overheating and I was just like, ah, oh, dad, like fix this car, you know, and, and I go storming into the house and I'm like, I'm going to tell my dad, I'm going to, you know, 
like what he did was wrong, you know. And he was talking to somebody else, and I kind of was standing there simmering and kind of like, oh, I'm going to. And I started saying something about, oh, man, Dad, like, what's wrong with your car? And he's like, you took the truck? And suddenly I remembered, and you know I'm kind of absent-minded, suddenly I remembered he had told me not to take that vehicle. He told me to take a different vehicle. And I was reading something, and I hadn't paid attention, mm. and I had forgot, but all of a sudden I remembered, and all of a sudden I realized, oh, shoot. <laughs> right. Right. I just right. did something highly illegal, very dangerous, and probably ruined the, car, the truck because I wasn't paying attention to what Dad said. Wow. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. man, I'm so in the wrong right now. Yeah. And, yeah, I just, you know, when we have all the information, how will that change yeah. our yeah. perception yeah. of... So yeah. <laughs> yeah, someday it'll be a sermon illustration. I've been waiting. Okay, I wanted to mention one more comment um, that I could have added to this discussion. Um, Bruxy Cavey is a pastor out of Toronto that I have appreciated a lot of his sermons over the years in podcast form. Um, and he said that times of pain or crisis are often times of turning. Um, either people become Christians or because, you know, they're like kind of a wake-up call or else they lose their faith because um, they feel like God can't answer their questions. And it's interesting that it's almost like a crossroads Um it's not true that suffering always drives people away from God. Actually, often it drives people to God. Um, it's, it's a moment of, of change often. Um, so I just find even just saying that is, uh, is kind of helpful. Um, another thing that um, William Lane Craig mentioned in the chapter that I didn't have time to underline is that... Um, Human suffering often causes uh, people to turn to God, and the cultures in the world that are most there's the most the highest number of Christians um, often are are experiencing the most hardships and often persecution against Christians, uh, whereas atheism is most common in in countries that um, you know are very wealthy and comfortable. Um, so if if heaven and hell are real and eternal benefits are real, um, then suffering in this life is going to produce good results in the next life. Um, <clears throat> also, I guess getting back to the previous idea about hard times um, cause people to choose, one way of looking at that is to say that the hard times um, force us to be true to ourselves. Uh, force us to say, what do I actually believe in, and what kind of a person am I actually? Um, you know, there's a verse that says, if your strength fails in the day of adversity, then your strength is not very strong. I mean, it's fine to to claim faith in Christianity when it's popular to do so, but um, the, the testimonies that really are moving are people that continue to hold on to their faith, even, you know, in the face of adversity, and in the absence of um, the proof of God's blessing, as Job did, I mean, it's fine he was faithful to God when he was getting blessed for it, but when he was getting cursed for it, or when he lost everything, he still didn't blaspheme the name of God. He still stayed faithful to God. Um, there's an old Puritan quote that um, the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. The same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. And that's often used to speak about um, preaching the gospel. And, you know, the same hellfire brimstone sermon that for one person 
convicts them of sin and makes them want to change their life. Another person will get hardened to and, and get angry at you and, and you know, want to leave the church or whatever. It, it's also true, I think, of, of the difficulties of life. Um, difficulties are like a fire. And one person will um, lose their faith because of difficulties. Another person will perhaps find their faith. Um, there's a judgmental overtone to that that you could interpret through that to say, well, if you lost your faith, then I guess you know you're you're just a wimp. It's not what I was trying to say. Um, I'm not sure how to fix it though. <laughs> just believe me, that's not what I meant to say. Um, might make it more clear as I go on to Augustine, and he has a, a great quote. If you go to my blog, JosiahMeyer.com, no, that'll lead you to no longer be children.com. And uh, just search for Augustine on why do bad things happen to good people. And he talks about how the hard times bring out, you know, the hidden character. And this is kind of the same thing I was saying before. And that uh, mud, when you stir mud, gives a, a terrible smell. But when you crush flowers, they give off a beautiful fragrance. And um, it's often true that in the hard times, um, the character... Of beautiful people shines through, and, and we know people, you know, they've gone through cancer, lost kids, um, lost their jobs, lost a house fire, whatever, and they keep praising God, and you look at that, and you're like, what is going on? Um, people, God has a way of displaying His glory through people, um, and I think that is one explanation for why God allows bad things to happen to good people because it shows the character that's in them ultimately but I think my issue here and so I'm thinking on the spot a little bit but I should differentiate between character and belief so people might lose their faith because they felt like God should be this way and their suffering showed that he was not that way and so that gets down to what we believe about God and unfortunately a lot of us have a health and wealth gospel vision of God, that God is always going to give us what we want, always going to protect us, he's not going to let bad things happen to good people, which is not actually what the Bible says, and so, yeah, I mean, if, if that's our vision of God and our experience does not prove it, then we're going to lose belief in that God, and either find the true God that lets bad things happen to people, and even the best person, Jesus Christ, or else we're just going to lose our faith in sad, I don't know about this Christianity business, but, um, you know, finding other options. So there's belief, but even non-Christians and even atheists, even, you know, Muslims, Jews, Hindus, whatever, that go through hard times, um, often those difficult times do show their character. And I don't have to say you have to be a religious person to display tremendous character in suffering. And so that can be one morally justifiable, morally justifiable reason for suffering. I don't know if it would really be a reason for suffering. I don't think that God... I don't know that God um, brings suffering just for the character, just to show character. I don't, I don't think that his main reason is to test us. But uh, one of the reasons that's, that's mixed into all this, the, the factors that God might have on the table, may have on the table, because we can't know God's mind, he hasn't revealed all his, his plans in this regard, might be that he realizes um, that tremendous character will be formed and um, that 
in the same way that war and athletics brings out, you know, the, the triumphant human spirit, God lets certain people go through Herculean physical difficulties to display, you know, the, the triumph of the human spirit because humans are made in the image of God and are beautiful. So I hope these rattlings are helpful to somebody. Um, I'm going to close it here and then I think we go to more discussions with students. So, no, that was it. I'm all done with this uh, conglomerate of, of thoughts and comments. Uh, I just want to clarify for that last thing that God does do all things for his glory. So even if um, the glory of man is demonstrated, the, the glory of human, humankind through suffering, the ultimate end of that is, is for God to glorify himself. So that's, we just need to make that clear. Um, it is theologically important that God does things for his own glory, not for our glory. I think I want to end it here. Lots of, of little tidbits and thoughts in this podcast that I hope, hope were helpful to you. Uh, have a look at josiahmar.com, no longer be children.com, and have a good day. Bye.